0: My name is Diana Lister and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits.
1: Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six figure earners to become seven figure givers. wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Before we get started today though, this is a quick reminder that we are launching our Go Big to Give Big membership. If you are looking to get around people that are more excited about talking about the impact they are making in this world, more than the cars they are buying, then you're gonna to want to go check out go big to get big.com to get more information and join the most philanthropic group of entrepreneurs out there. Now back to the show. All right. I'm excited to welcome today's guest, Diana. let to the show. Diana, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. We had your husband, Micah, come on. He was on episode 60. So if you want, you can go back and listen to episode 60 and listen to Micah's side of the story but this time we're going to get your side of the story. We want to hear all about, you know, your journey through entrepreneurship and how you guys have co-created this amazing organization together, brand and culture community, and then, you know, the new ventures that you're going down as well as some of your philanthropic ventures, you know, it's very cool to hear. Michael's side of the story, but one of the things he made clear to me was that, you know, on some of your philanthropic ventures, you were a bit of the lead on making some of the choices. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about that but i would love for you to just kind of start a little bit of you know your side what got you into entrepreneurism what got you excited about wanting to start building a brand and especially in the fitness industry
0: well great question i would say from the get go from the time i was young like i'll stay i never was a good employee <laughs> just it's that entrepreneurial spirit was in me from the get go when i was a kid i used to just have all these jobs cuz it was just like okay what can i get out there and do and you know, make money so that I can buy my own stuff. And so that spirit, I think, was just God given that was in me. So as I got older, it was very clear to me that whatever I was going to do, I had to be the boss. And, you know, I'm very creative. So being able to have the ability to create things and build things was always really exciting for me. So fitness Came for me even before I met Micah, because we actually met through the fitness industry. So it was something maybe 20, at least 24, 25 years ago. I was very interested in fitness and I started having my first jobs in that industry. And it was the one thing that really captured my attention that kept my attention. So as a creative mind, you know, it's like squaring, squaring, squaring. Fast forward, Micah and I met through the fitness industry, we were both in the same headspace of like, we want to build something that's our own, that puts the client first, that puts their success first. And we just fully believed that if we put their success first, that we were going to be able to build something successful. And that was 14 years ago when we started Fit. And, you know, fast forward, we have two brick and mortar gyms here in Kansas City, but we have an online business. We were one of the very first to, run online personal training and we have clients in 81 countries now we've helped people shed over 600,000 pounds of fat and you know we're going to continue that until we get to a million and well beyond but that's kind of it in a nutshell was this was the thing that when I thought about my life and what I wanted to do every single morning and wake up and be like okay I'm excited about this I love what I get to do there was no question that it was fitness and it had to be in that world and so that's where we're at now. And I still feel that way. You know, it's 20, 25 years later. And it's, I still feel that way every single day. I'm just so blessed to be able to do what we do and just excited for just, you know, new opportunities to help more people.
1: That's amazing. And I can hear it in your voice. And one of the things that I just love about you, Mike, is just your conviction for what you guys have built. It is just so much like, You guys are uh, evangelists for everything in your life. And it is just so amazing to see that such a long period of time has gone by and uh, still wake up for that excitement. I'd love to dive in a little bit. So I think it's incredible that you guys pioneered, you know, kind of the way of going onto online fitness and stuff. And I'd love to hear from, again, your perspective, some of the risks that came with that, some of the challenges that came with that, and, you know, just your mental process of, hey, we've kind of... Created this little brand that we like. And now we want to go try this new venture and go into online fitness. Like, what brought you to that space and how did that decision come to? You? And was it instant success or was there some challenges along the way?
0: Well, as an entrepreneur, you know, there's always challenges. <laughs> <laughs> it was Micah's idea originally. And he, in 2006, I believe. So that was a couple of years before we met, he had a woman that was in Canada that followed him on MySpace. Remember MySpace days? And she was like, I really wish you could help me. He was like, wait a second. I actually think I can. What if I put something together for you and sent it to you? And then you could just communicate with me and I could help you through, you know, challenges and changing things. And he did that with uh, her name was Mo. And she still follows us, She's still part of our online community, but she was the very first and she lost something like 20 pounds or, but it completely changed her. And he was like, whoa, like this is something like we don't have to physically be with somebody to actually help them make these changes. So- When we kind of came together, I was starting to figure out some of those pieces myself, but he already was like, "Hey, this is kind of a system that I figured out that works." So we kind of collaborated and made it better. Like we had our first book, so it was bringing the book into play, and like, how do we have videos so people can see how to do exercises? And you know, the challenges were how do we get this message out to people? We were very, I won't say lucky because I don't really believe in luck, but just kind of blessed it it kind of coincided when social media was actually starting to be a thing and people were starting to, you know, share things about, you know, there's MySpace and Facebook was just coming around. It all collaborated kind of at this point in time when suddenly we had the ability to get the message out without paying money because we were living in an attic to be Honestly like we lived in an attic like the first 2 years of starting H Fit and it was we didn't have any money we were grinding just every day but it was fun it was very exciting because we were building this new thing so you know a big challenge was just we didn't have a lot but we took the free stuff that we did have and then we started building and then we'd have one great transformation and someone willing to share their story and then you'd have you know, 10 to 20 new clients with every person, not everybody shares, but the people that were willing to share, like that would draw new people. So we had these stories and the more powerful stories that you have, you're just going to keep drawing more people to you. So over the years, the challenge has been, it's become a very saturated space. It really actually out the gate, I would say we were very strong because nobody else was doing it. Nobody even knew what online personal training was. And then as more people started getting into it, it's a completely saturated space. We've held our own just because we've stayed true to, we still do a lot of customization. It's still direct communication with us. So it's still very, very personal where as uh, a lot of other people have gone the automated route and everything's, you know, you're not communicating directly with a person. So I think that's why 14 years later, we still are holding our own and holding a really strong position in that space. But. You guys have such an
2: incredible story. And like, I I love hearing that little bit of like initial pain. Just a really quick story on my side of things. I recently traveled from Vancouver to Toronto. I ended up sleeping in the airport on a bench because I wanted to experience that pain a little bit again to be like, oh, that's what it feels like. All right, let's go. It's, you know, sort of fun to hear. We're a little sick and twisted as entrepreneurs. (laughs) I want to ask you about like the changing physique. Aspect on things, whether that be losing weight or strength gaining, you know, whatever sort of either direction or any direction, you know, helping people lose 600,000 pounds is no small feat. That's gigantic. That's incredible. And I'm sure you work with people who are go getters and get that done, as well as people who only last for a little bit and then sort of have other priorities, I'll say. So, in your experience with like helping so many people around the world in any one different countries, what is it that that differentiates the people who succeed with their vision versus the people that like to put it harshly, I guess, give up.
0: Yeah. You probably already know what I'm going to say. (laughs) If that's the answer to this, it's here. It's the Mm. people that have a mindset change. If there are people coming, even to us, we do our best to, to weed these things out. Like we're very honest with people out the gate of, if you're not looking at this as a lifestyle change and really like working on habits and mindset shifts and, and just kind of viewing things differently. If it's coming in, trying to just, I'm going to do a diet. It's not going to last. It's never going to last. So the people that are the ones that we've seen be really successful. And then it's years later and they're still living it are the people that actually had a shift happen up here in their mindset towards it. So instead of looking at it as big sacrifice in their life was, you know, I'm, oh, I don't get to eat this or I don't get to do these things. It's the people that view the the bigger sacrifice is if I do these things, then I don't get to live in a body that feels good. I don't get to have the energy that I would like. I don't get to have the mental clarity that I would like so that I can tackle all of these other goals. So everything, the level of success that people achieve with Hitchfit or pretty much anything in life is really what's going on up here. The story they're telling themselves about who they are and the story they're telling themselves about what they can potentially achieve.
2: What do you tell people then who might not have ever been exposed to a different mindset? Like if you were working with a brand new client who's like, you know, might not be happy with how they look or how they feel. And if mindset is the first and the key ingredient for change, what's your conversation with them like?
0: Pretty, pretty honest, pretty easy to call them out and just point it out to them first so that there's actually a awareness of it. It's actually very easy to do with online clients because they're typing everything out to me and sending it. So literally when I'm reading through the things that they're saying about themselves, you can see the things that are happening in their mind. It's literally on paper. So for online clients, I could be like, Hey, just so you're aware, look at this piece right here that you said, like I am, you know, what are you putting after those two words? I am this. Like we have to work on changing that first so that the things you're doing in your life are gonna be in alignment with where you actually wanna go instead of keeping you in this place where you're holding your identity. One-on-one clients, it's actually pretty easy to just asking questions and listening to the things they say about themselves. And when you did talk about goals and the things they've achieved. So it kind of just starts with there with just making them aware of, you know, and not, hey, you're thinking you're saying these bad things, but it's just like, hey, I want you to see that this is what's happening here. And hopefully that causes a light bulb to go off of like, oh, like, okay, yeah, you're right. That is what I was saying to myself internally, because, you know, I believe whatever we're telling ourselves in our mind, that's what ends up manifesting in our lives as far as the result of what we're getting. So,
1: One of the amazing things that you're doing in this space as well the mindset and everything like that is now you're kind of taking it from just being personal training, but now you're running a little bit of retreats around it. Now you're running some bigger events and getting more into that. Was this a byproduct of that? Because you guys did so much support of like, hey, this is like, half a mental battle game and half of actually physically doing the work. And I know Rock Body Retreats is a bit of a fitness brand retreat, but I know it is so built around your mindset and the community and everything you have. So was that part of the transition or walk us through what that looked like?
0: So Rock Body, we partnered with it with a couple and I think you know this, Randy, one of our business partners passed away in February of this year. So initially the vision was the four of us. It was their concept. They invited us to be a part of it. And it really came into alignment with what we were doing with Hitchbit just to another level of being able to help people transform. But in this space, in this area where we actually get to spend this really immersive time together, you know, in Mexico, but it's getting to know them on deeper levels, getting to have really honest and vulnerable conversations, which can often just spark people to change. So that's kind of the vision with the retreats now is as we step forward into it it's you know because sometimes feel like oh you have these businesses they're two different businesses but the mission of both of them is very congruent we're kind of doing the same thing but almost to a deeper more impacting level because we get such uh this one-on-one like really people are on vacation So they feel a little more relaxed. And what we found is when we go into it a little vulnerable ourselves, people are coming in, they're just taking the mask off, they are going deep and then they're coming out of it, like ready to tackle things that maybe they were not willing to tackle. And that's what's led even to the conferences, the whole, you know, we did the first retreat and it was like, we can only take so many people with us on a retreat. But if we have this in a conference setting, where we have a couple of days and it's it's at least a little taste of what we're doing in the retreat, but it's the same intention of, it's called lean in, level up. So it's the same intention of seeing the things, the challenges, the pains, the hurts, whatever it is in our lives. And instead of running away from them or ignoring them, it's turning and facing them, looking at them, leaning into them, and then figuring out how do we take what we've learned from that vulnerability and that pushing into it, that's going to just make us stronger so that we can level up in whatever area of life that is. So it's all this big ball of let's help people transform and get to a better place, you know, just in different, different modalities. I'm a
2: big fan of like leaders creating leaders. And I think like if you expect the retreat attendees to be vulnerable you have to first lead with vulnerability how do you see that sort of show up in building your business of being able to like lift others up so that you level up so that you can lift others up higher to then kind of get that compounding cycle happening
0: yeah, for me personally, it's like I've always been very honest about my story. I have my own transformation story. I was 50 pounds more than I am now 20 years ago. And, you know, cuz sometimes people see all the fitness pictures and they're just like, "Oh, they were just like that, you know, they were born into that." But I had a issue with compulsive overeating. I was struggling with just a lot of sadness. I won't say depression, but it was headed that way. I was not taking care of my physical health. I was making a lot of excuses personally. So, the things that we teach, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is because I've been in that place of just like, I felt controlled by my eating behaviors. I felt like it felt like a bondage to me. Like, I couldn't, you know, get to the end of the night or, you know, the evening and I would have this binge eating behavior that I did pretty much every night. And I felt like I couldn't stop it. It would like get to that point of the night and it was just, Like, I would just go into autopilot and it scared me because I was gaining weight really quickly. So, for me, when I changed my mindset, because that was, I had this just aha moment of like, if I keep doing this behavior, I keep saying I want these things out of life, but the behavior I'm doing is taking me down a completely opposite direction. I'm never going to get here if I keep this up. It's July 5th, 2005, and I call it my Independence Day because it was the day that the light bulb went off, and I literally, When this changed, I literally have never gone back. It's been over, uh, what is it? It's been over 18 years now. And I've never gone back to that behavior since that moment that it finally clicked. And I changed my eating habits. I gave myself big goals, which for me was doing competitions. That's not what everybody's goal is going to be. I needed something big enough like that to really put the pressure on me to change the bad habits and you know, it opened up all these other doors, but the thing it did for me the most was it was this like freedom that I experienced. I no longer felt like this behavior controlled me. I felt like I actually had taken back control of my life and where I was headed with my life. So that's where I'm just, I'm completely open and honest with that. And honestly, just when people hear, you know, the deeper version of that story then they're like, oh, Okay, like I've been through that stuff, too, or here's my story. So and Micah has kind of an opposite story, but he has a really powerful story, too. We are open books as far as sharing the stuff that we've gone through. And I think that's why people feel comfortable to share what they've gone through.
1: Yeah, it's something that I just admired so much about both of you is that you just show up the way you are you don't, you're the same human as you are on interviews, as you are in person and through our conversations. It's just been such a delight. It's just, I don't say rare, but it's just hard to find people that are just so open and transparent. That's something that Steve and I built our brand on was just like, Hey, we're going to share our journeys. We're going to share our losses. We're going to share our transformations and the things that we're going through pretty openly with our investors, with our community members, with everything. And I think it's just given us a level of respect that people are like, yeah, you guys put everything on the table and it gets you to that point, putting everything on the table and stepping into some vulnerability. What's the next scary thing for you when you're thinking of going bigger and you're, you know, building out rock body and and you've got the stable hitch fit now? Like, what is scaring you thinking about going bigger right now?
0: What's scaring me that we're doing that's that's bigger? Well, yeah. the conference. <laughs> the conference is scary because what? you know oh, is it scary for things. you. You know, it's like, I watch all these things and that, because we are like, go big or go home. So I watch all these things and like, oh, start with like a half day event. And like, we're like, no, boom, we're going to we months. <laughs> we're going to a- come, like, forget the whole thing. So I say scary. I come at it with a sense of excitement though, too. It feels very big, but it is also, I had a vision of this, Uh, At the end of one of our retreats, the first retreat that we did with Travis and Brittany, our, our partners, it was the last day. I was having devotional time on the porch, and I was kind of just, you know, like, it was such an amazing experience, and I was kind of like, where are you leading us with this Lord? And literally, he just showed me the conference, and he was like, it's been in my heart for years that speaking on stages and writing books was part of where I was supposed to be eventually. I've known that and there's been steps and steps and steps towards that. But It was almost like he was like, go. Like it's time and you need to go. And so it was from that moment that we started really thinking about this and planning this. And Travis, our our partner who passed away, he was like so excited about it. And the last time that we got to spend with him in person was going to Tampa and looking at the venues. And so, and he was where we're having the conference. Like he was like so excited about it. And that was maybe two to three weeks before he passed. And so even after that happened, we had a chance to be like, you know, okay, we're going to back off of this or we're going to call it off. But my vision was very clear that this was where we were supposed to go because it's going to change lives. Micah has, he is planning to share his full story for the first time on that stage We're very, very clear that when he shares, it's going to be the beginning of a healing process for a lot of people. And it's going to be served as something that's transformative. So I say it's scary, but at the same time, I believe that where God gives vision, he gives the provision. And so we're just, okay, charge. (laughs) like We're going, we're all in. And so I'm it feels big, but at the same time it feels very exciting to be stepping into something and just to see how all of the pieces are going to come together and then the ripple effects of positive impact that it's going to have.
1: Ah, so powerful. And I I just wanna commend you. I know how hard it was with Travis passing and still running the retreats and doing everything and moving forward and it's just so powerful that you guys had the option to choose to walk away and take some time off and do this kind of stuff, but instead you're stepping up and honoring him and just doing all this incredible work to continue stepping into that greatness. And I think that's such a powerful move done in the right way. I have went through some losses and built some businesses on trauma and pain, and it worked out really good for me. It got me to where I wanted to be. And when I realized that that was a different space I wanted to be in, it just worked out to be so incredible to make that choice that I'm going to go positive, and make something happen versus negative and let it tear me down. So I just wanted to commend you for that because I know how hard it is. But I want to get back to being all in. You are an all in person. And when you went down to Haiti, you went all in. So I want to hear a little bit about your side of the story of how you guys went on to go fund a school down in Haiti.
0: Yep, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's such a Really cool story. I think I told you this before when we were just talking, like my belief on giving, I absolutely love the go big to give thing. And I actually believe in the reverse too of give big to go big. So for me, starting to give, even before I felt like I was ready to give, like way before I even met Micah. So I had started sponsoring kids in Haiti when it was a real challenge to even donate, you know, $25 a month for one child, like that was a real financial commitment for them. But I also felt like when you lead with giving, and you show that you're not afraid to give, if wherever God calls you to give, you cannot give God. So if he says do this, you can do it knowing that he will pour back abundantly on you so that you can actually give more and more. So the, the resources that he gives to me, a lot of times, you know, he provides my needs, but they're not really for me. They're so that I can give to somebody else. So that's kind of, you know, how my brain works as far as that goes. So when Micah and I, let's see, when did I first go to Haiti? 2012, yeah. So 2012 was my very first trip in person to Haiti. And I had talked about it. I felt it on my heart for a couple of years. Micah was really nervous about me going no matter what, it's not safe, you know, it's not safe. Like, yeah, maybe safe. It's not safe. It's not safe now. It wasn't like the safest place then. So he was just concerned for my safety. My father was the team leader. And so I was like, my dad is with me, like the other human being on the earth that will guard and protect me with his life. You know what I'm saying? So 2012, I told Micah, I said, God's telling me I have to go. And he was like, okay, if you're feeling like that, then I support it. He's like, I'm, I'm still nervous, but go. So 2012, we went and I went with the intention of, we were already sponsoring some children through, it's Mission E4 now, but we were sponsoring some children already before I went, mainly because of my dad's involvement and my stepmom, my dad and my stepmom met in Haiti. They actually met on a mission trip in Haiti. So that's why going and being a part of that was very important. So 2012, I went down with the intention of, Maybe I can find a couple more kids that need to be sponsored. But I literally had written in my journals, uh, HitchFit was new. Like we've only been around for a couple of years, but I had written, man, it would be really cool if we had a a school in Haiti that we could like sponsor the school. And then as HitchFit grows, like, you know, it's kind of like growing with us, like, you know, and I wrote that down and I still have it in a journal. And still kind of that was in my spirit, but I wasn't necessarily thinking that's what was going to happen on this particular trip. So when we went down, they were literally starting a new school. So there's an orphanage and a school. The orphans lived there. The school was for the community children that had a house, had a home with a family, and they couldn't afford to go. They couldn't pay for school. So they had literally started a new school. And I was like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. that is happening and they were doing the profiling where you know each little kid they come up they hold their little cards with their names and so I had it all on video of this happening and because I wanted to be able to share with people what this process looks like of how they get kids sponsored and I'm videoing and videoing and in my thought I was like I'm gonna choose maybe we can get like four or five more kids from this you know and we can sponsor them And I'm telling you, God just started speaking to my heart. And it was like, like I couldn't even talk to anybody because I was like, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to do? And so I just kept videoing the whole thing. I get emotional every time I tell this story. So we profiled the 25 kids and we get on the, the bus to head back to the house where we're staying. And I was so overwhelmed with what I was like feeling like I was supposed to do that I like sat separate from everybody. And I just was, I mean, it's in the back of a big truck. So <laughs> it was like, I was just sitting there and I was praying and I'm like, God, like 25 kids. Like, I mean, hitchbit is still new. Like that's a big financial commitment. And Micah's not here. I can't have a conversation with him about this. And he said, these are your kids. And it was like so clear in my head. he was like, these are your kids. And, you know, I'm like, well, are you sure? And he was like, if I'm telling you to take care of my kids, then I'm going to provide everything that you need to take care of my kids. So he was like, stop worrying about the money, because if you're obedient to me, everything that you need is going to be there. When we got back to the house, I pulled aside the group director, not my dad, there was another guy. And I was like, I'm supposed to take all 25. (laughs) He was like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm supposed to take all 25. So he was like, okay. And so I get back to Kansas City, like, you know, that was a 10-day trip. So it was maybe a few days later. And Micah picks me up and I'm all like, I wasn't worried because I know Micah. So it wasn't like he was going to be like, why did you do that? I was just emotional to tell him the story. And I'll never forget it. Like I got in the car and I'm like, hey, we have the whole goal. (laughs) He he literally, his response was, well, I guess we better like get some more clients. and it was just really beautiful so it started there kind of a similar situation happened this following year in 2013 so so we grew and that was an even bigger call we ended up being over 100 children and so it was yeah but it was like it was one of those things where it was like this is big but it it was just like god was like you gotta be obedient and like just be obedient just trust me and so we are over 10 years later that we made that commitment and there has been ups and downs. There has been COVID where our gyms were shut down. There's been all kinds of things. And there is not many single months that went by that God did not provide what we promised to give to those children. So that's kind of the testimony. It's over a decade later. And it's like, if you are called to give, then do it without worrying because he just, he provides. It's always been there. There's never been a month where it's like, oh, maybe we should cut back. It's like, nope, this was our commitment. Our yes is yes. We're all in. And I'm trusting that he's going to provide.
2: Oh,
1: that is uh, (laughs) that. That is so powerful. And I'm so glad we got your side of how that all went down for you. Because that is so magical. And yeah, I'm just blown away right now. I just love your attitude towards giving. There's a reason why we got put together and a reason why we're able to get connected to people like you because it's just so powerful. Like so powerful in how you do that. Steve, is there anything you want to say to that? I'm sure you're bursting at the seams to say the same thing.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And like it's admirable to say the very least in the piece that I'm sitting on is like, I guess like the faith that it's all going to work out. The question I have is just like lean into that for me and explain like the fear that might have been there and how you just said, "No, nah, screw it. I'm not listening to that fear. I'm just going to believe that it's going to work.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like my faith is foundational, you know, and like my walk with the Lord has has strengthened so much over the years. I mean, and it's like, I know some people that it sounds weird to say, God said this to me, but when you have a really close relationship with him and you're in the word and you're, you're having a constant, it's like a constant conversation. And, you know, one of my favorite verses that says, be anxious for nothing. So it doesn't say be anxious for nothing except for money. (laughs) Be anxious for nothing except for these things. It literally says be anxious for nothing and to bring your request to him. And that's when the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that's what you get to have. So when I'm in alignment with what God tells me to do, I have a peace about it. And so when I'm walking in that peace and that faith, and the reason I, I know what that is, is because I'm 45 years old. I can look back and see how faithful he has been through everything. So it's just like any time that fear starts creeping up, it's like we're human. So that starts creeping up. And it's like when I feel that happening, that's when I know I'm getting out of alignment. Because when I'm walking in alignment with Lord, that's when I have peace. Even if there's a crazy storm going on around me, that's when I have joy, even if I'm sad. You know, so it's like whenever I feel that taking over, I know that's my time. I have to retreat and really just get my time with the Lord back on point because then he's like, Hey, like I got you and I've proven over and over and over and over and over that I got you. So mm-hmm. that's where that comes from.
2: That's beautiful. It's something that I've actually honestly struggled with. So I call myself a bit of a lazy Christian. I'm definitely a believer. I just don't know if I have like the strongest relationship with him, but it's something that I've felt guilt around over the last year also. Cause it, for me, this is like, speaking about vulnerability, here, here we go. It's been a lot of requesting like support or guidance or or whatever that might be and it felt very almost like transactional. I wanted to be helped so I could go and help. But then there's more recent conversation that I've been having around like, no, that's like you should be asking for these tools and resources so you can go and sort of like communicate that, you know, outbound. And it's just like for me it's a really beautiful thing when that conviction and belief in the opportunity that you cannot see yet like you're just like unwavering and I actually have a faith tattooed on my neck. And as as a constant sort of reminder and belief to have in myself as well as in God and and in in your ability. And the point that I sort of wanted to make out of all this was, you know, whether it's you believe in an almighty or a universe or just in yourself, I think there's this, you know, let things happen that you need to have conviction and and belief and around. And that's sort of like what I'm hearing a little bit from you is like, hey, look, I'm just going to believe in this process and, you know, deal with whatever ups and downs kind of come with it. And it's beautiful. And and I think a lot of that comes back to the heart that you have around just wanting to serve other people and having that calling. And I'm really curious to see if like, this is the point where I get to ask my favorite questions in this entire podcast, which is like, is there another moment of giving that you can think of that is just as powerful maybe, but maybe not as monumental, but is like so close to your heart that just like always kind of pulls the heartstrings when you think about it.
0: I think, well, yeah, the, that one I just shared is probably the biggest, but there was one thing that happened in Haiti that, you know, and it's like one of those things, like I don't even actually like to say it out loud because it was such a precious thing. And, you know, it's like one of those things that like, you know, there there was a man and his flip flops were just He was walking around with these flip-flops that were just, you could barely actually call them flip-flops anymore. So we do this feeding program, but it's almost like when they hear that we're there and we're going to be handing out food, you would think we were giving out Super Bowl tickets. So it is literally, we have to have guards and stuff just to keep people from, you know, rushing into the building. And there are literally lines and lines of people way, way down the road and waiting for a bag of rice, some pasta, some oil and a roll of toilet paper and you would literally think we were giving away super bowl tickets so there was this older man and he was in the line but he, people started getting kind of crushed and and he was getting a little bit crushed so we pulled him into the house and he just he didn't have shoes so we're like somebody i'm gonna get some flip-flops so Like, I got down and I got to take his shoes off and give him some new flip-flops. I don't actually think I've ever told anybody that. But it was just, it was just nice to be able to give him something like that, you know? And something so small, but I think it, you know, made him feel seen as a person, you know? I think a lot of people don't get to even feel seen, so. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good question. Um.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that and it's it's just such a testament to that question that you know you adopted you know so many kids in your life and you've done so much great work and a story that you don't get to share of simply just helping somebody with a pair of shoes can have just as much impact as what you've had there. And I think that's just so special and why we love that question so much because it gets such a it makes people go deep to think of moments like that that have nothing to do really with money, nothing to do with providing and, or the accolades that come from giving. It is literally just helping someone with a pair of shoes and is so profound. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that story because that, that really inspires us, Steve and I and our audience. It's our favorite part of the segment of hearing stories like that. And is also the perfect segue for us to lead into our giving round where we ask you some, just some random questions around giving. So are you ready for them? Ready. <laughs> awesome. Brag <laughs> on what one- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Steve and I always have to have tissues when we do these because it's like every time we cry somehow. I don't know. There's probably like 30% of the podcast or 40% of the podcast. Steve and I are just like crying in the background, wiping our tears away. So <laughs> brag on one charity that you really like.
0: So I will go straight to Mission E4. That's the organization that we've had our kids in Haiti through. They just do really really good work, not just in the, the orphanages, but just in the communities too. There, It's a faith-based organization. So a priority to them is also just coming at stuff from a faith perspective too. And like the school that we sponsor and the orphanage that's connected there, like the orphanage, sometimes people think, oh, they're trying to you know, adopt children out or they want Americans to come in and adopt children out. It's not the mission at all. It's to work on improving these next generation of Haitians so that they can come up and have an impact in their country and in their community from a faith-based perspective. So we love the work that they're doing. So I would say Mission E4, if anybody's looking to connect with an organization that does really incredible work in Haiti, they're an amazing group. Beautiful.
2: Beautiful. What would get you more excited? Donating a one million dollar check or spending a week physically helping others?
0: Uh, No, I read that question. I was like, that's a tough question. So (laughs) because I've gone and been able to do this stuff on the ground, I know like how impacting that is for me. Like it changes me. But as far as helping them, me carrying some rocks across a field, like it brings (laughs) me like It doesn't really help. I don't know that that helps them that much. They could do the work that we do. It's more, you know, a lot of times team trips are for encouraging them that we see them and that we're here to help. Can't I just do bugs?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not the game. You got to pick one or the other.
0: (laughs) Okay. I may actually say give them a million dollars just because for them, it probably would have a bigger impact than me going and moving rocks back and forth. (laughs) I mean, you know, like I'm. I'm like, yeah, we built a wall, like <laughs> I'm carrying some rocks across the field.
1: <laughs> Amazing answer. Who inspires you with their giving?
0: Oh, well, let's see, Mark Batterson. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a pastor, and they give so much within their church and within his personal. So he always talks about wanting to get to. You know, sometimes people like talk about giving 10% and he's like talks about kind of the opposite of like being successful enough where you literally could give away 90% of it and and left off of 10% of it. That would be unbelievable. I would say as far as someone who I would aspire to just keep, you know, working towards it's, he he gives some really powerful messages about that.
2: You think that entrepreneurs should include a giving component in their business from day one? or wait till he's seen a little bit of success and might have some money in the bank?
0: Day one, absolutely day one. I think that when you go into a business, if your heart is already in a place of wanting to give back to others, I don't think you can outgive God. So I think if you go into it, like my heart and my purpose and my intention here is I'm going to be giving back to others in some way. It doesn't have to be a massive amount, but I think that out the gate, like all of us as human beings, but so, you know, entrepreneurs too. But I think it should always be like, how am I serving others? And maybe they're not giving money. Maybe it's they're donating, you know, maybe they're going and volunteering somewhere. But I think it's so important for us to not have the focus just be totally on ourselves. Like if we're going to have the biggest impact, our focus can't be totally on ourselves. So I say out the gate, like start the habit. I think Randy talked about that with the kid, like start the habit of giving, like as soon as you possibly can.
1: Amazing. What's one of the first things you think of when you hear go big to get big?
0: You know what it makes me actually think of is one of the first times that I went to Haiti, like when you see the level of poverty and, you know, there's poverty in the United States. But when you go to these other countries, when you're like, not saying it's, that it's not challenging, it's another level. You know, when you just see people living in mud, I mean, you, you know, it's it's another level of poverty. And so I remember one of my very first trips thinking there's almost this, like, you come home and you're like, but I have all of this and they have nothing. But God kind of spoke to me on that. And he was like, if we were all there, then who's going to help people? Like, who's going to be the ones that are helping if we're all living in poverty? So he was like, I place you in a position where you can be successful with what I've given you because you're supposed to be helping these people. And so it released, you know, anytime people say stuff like that, it released any of those thoughts. It's like, no, I'm actually supposed to be successful and I'm supposed to use every skill, every gift, every talent to be as successful as I can because we're supposed to be helping them. So if I'm sitting here like, oh, well, I'm not going to do all the things I can do and I'm not going to strive for success. I'm not having the impact that I could possibly have. So I think that's what I think of when I, it was just that mind shift that I personally had. Of like, oh, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, there's all these things that need to be done. And oh, I feel bad that I've had the success. No, like, no, like have more because we need it to be the ones that are doing the helping.
2: That's a beautiful perspective. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give.
0: I would say it's a, a feeling of fulfillment, but with humility combined with it, because I think it's such an honor to be in that position to do that. So it feels good, but I also feel it from a place of just like, wow, like, I'm very grateful that we had that opportunity to do that because we get more out of giving than probably what we're giving. You know, it's that feeling that you're doing what you're put here to do. So I guess that's more than one word. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's all good. It was a great answer. The final question that we have for you today, Dana is do you believe that money can buy you happiness?
0: No. <laughs> Why is that? I want to have joy in my life because happiness is like this. Happiness comes and goes. So I strive for a consistent place of joyfulness no matter what. I think money can buy you a lot of things that can probably bring me moments of happiness, but I've known extremely wealthy you know, millionaires and billionaires that have all of this money and all of these things, and they're very unhappy and miserable people. Or, you know, just not feeling fulfilled. So obviously we want to be more successful. But also I know that even if I have double and triple what I have now, I can have that same uninterrupted joy where I was in the attic when we started Hishbit, which I can have that here and I'll have that same thing there. So I'm not looking for the wave. I'm looking for more of that thing that's consistent.
1: Beautiful answer. And what a beautiful podcast this has been. It's been so good hearing your story, having you come on and just lighting us up. I am uh, leaving this podcast feeling more full than I felt. So this is absolutely amazing. And I want to give you a few seconds to brag on yourself. If people want to find out more about HitchFit or Rockbody or your conference or stuff, how can people get more information about you?
0: Yeah, if if there's anybody that needs our help, our main website for HitchFit is just hitchfit.com. You can find out information there. You can sign up for a newsletter that'll keep you in the loop with everything we're doing. The retreat business is called Rockbody. And so for the conference and the retreats, it's rockbodyretreat.com. And all the information is there for that side of things.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you again, Dana, for coming in and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so we can get bigger with our profits. And I'm just so excited to uh, call you a friend now and have you in our circle. So thank you for coming in and sharing.
0: Oh, thank you so much, you guys.
1: Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.